This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I can tell you right now, you know, like, you know, the culture of an organisation is so important to protect and it can take one or two people to ruin it. All right, take two. Okay. <laughs> um, so, first of all, welcome to the podcast. But for those of you who are tuning in, I'm sitting here with Al Roseby, who is the Managing Director of Country Road. Um, and as I was saying before we, we cut off, um, we've also known each other for quite a while. Um, so, Al worked with my, my mother um, and we, I used to come into work as, as a little boy um, and I, I was telling the story of a cut, uh, about a month ago, maybe two months ago, um, I was walking through uh, Creative Cues, which is the co-working space that we used to work at, um, and I popped into Annie, who obviously is a, is a mutual friend. Um, she's my mother's best friend, <laughs> um, and she had no idea who I was, um, <laughs> and I'm like, Annie, it's me, Kyle. She goes, Kyle, and then obviously once she, she realized we, she, uh, she, she made a big scene <laughs> and dragged me over, and then that's when obviously we bumped into each other. Um, but this is an episode that I've been really excited to do, um, not only because your resume speaks for itself and you've been able to kind of go into brands um, around the country and um, transform them and, and have a massive impact, but um, also because, um, you know, my mother talks extremely highly of you. Um, and, uh, you know, as I was saying again before we cut off the list of questions that I've got, there's 25 of them, so mum, we might not get through them. Um, you know, so, there's one, yeah. there's a few little bit left of centre, but if you know my mum, that's, yeah, that's, that's normal. That's yeah. normal. Um, but we might, I'll, I'll throw the, the mic over to you now and mm. I'll, I'll let you give um, everybody a bit of an introduction into who you are and, and your journey so far. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, 30 years, uh, over 30 years in the retail industry. You know, mother of two, very happily married, um, and, uh, you know, yeah, started my career at 19. And we can go in prior to that if you like, but, you know, started my career at 19 in the industry and uh, with a company called Cherry Lane, which was a great, um, you know, fast fashion, I'm going to say retailer at the time, uh, and worked there for, yeah, just over, yeah, probably 12 months. Uh, and I just loved the environment and, and I remember somebody saying to me, if you're really serious about your career, go to Maya and, and so I went to Maya. Took a sideward, downward kind of role um, just to get in uh, and, uh, and I was, you know, really fortunate to be progressed pretty rapidly throughout Maya. Um, you know, I went, started in men's jeans, then men's collections. Um, then I went into boys' wear, girls' wear, miss shop. So I had a really great progression through the organisation and all in different roles as well too, particularly around buying and, and planning. I uh, got to a point there where I was in a pretty senior role and um, probably just questioned um, some of the decisions that were being made and, and felt that it was time for me then to go. Uh, and at that, at that time, I was fortunate to get tapped on the shoulder by Sports Girl. Um, and so I, moved, I, I went over to Sports Girl as head of buying. And then Naomi Milgram bought the business and I ended up being her CEO. Um, and that was over a 15-year period that I was at Sports Girl for. 
which is when I saw you, mm-hmm. Carl. He was a very young baby, and you're a very young boy, <laughs> and very different looking to now. And uh, and and um, and and enjoyed my time there. You know, I had a fantastic time, and then moved to the Cotton On Group to head up the Supre brand, uh, which Nigel had purchased. And then after five years there, um, got an opportunity to lead an incredibly iconic brand, of course, which is Country Road, which is the role I have today. Amazing. That is quite a CV. Massive. Um, It's huge. Um, Was there a point along the journey where it all started to click Um, or like a pivotal moment where you kind of said, you you kind of found a confidence in yourself and said, I'm pretty capable? I think there's a click and a confidence bit. I think the I think the click for me, I'm, I'll be pretty honest, you know, I went through school, I did pretty well through school, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. Yeah. And so I left school, I was supposed to be doing teaching. I went to university the first day and realised this is just not what I want to do. So I actually worked, I actually just worked. Um, and I don't know why I didn't do another course, but I just decided I just wanted to work and just get a bit more experience out there in the workforce. So I tried a whole host of different jobs. And, but I always loved, I mean, I did, I always loved clothing. I always loved putting clothing together. And then when this opportunity became available to, to go into Cherry Lane, the moment those doors opened and I sat down at my desk and I looked at everyone around me and we started talking about sales and I went out to stores and I saw the stock and I saw the teams out in stores. I just knew I'd found my thing. I mean, I didn't even know I was working. I would, I would, I was, I just love taking stuff home. I just always take work home. Like I was just always working. I can't remember not working. I can't remember during the week to do other things because I was just always so passionate about doing just I suppose just working and doing a great job and um, so I think for me it that that was it I it I, I and even to this day no matter what the pressures are I just love what I do every single day that's such a key element to people who find success early is finding that thing that you're so passionate about because it doesn't feel like work does it no no I, I, and you know and, and it doesn't matter how hard it gets and it does at times. Mm. You're just, it's just, it's your passion. I mean, I don't play sport outside, you know, I don't do anything like that. So I think my my whole thing that I love is the work that I do. And I, I genuinely believe that I actually love being around people mm-hmm. and I love seeing success and I love trying new ideas and trying new things. And I think I've been really fortunate to have been in environments where I'm empowered to do that. Um, and so that, yeah, that love of, and then of course, once I did that at, 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 at um, Cherry Lane, then when somebody said to me, hey, if you really want to be serious, now go to Maya. And I think that transition then into Maya just then broadened my horizon. I went, wow. And I think for me, it didn't matter where I started. I mean, I started, I went from Cherry Lane, which was this really cool, hip, you know, kind of store to being an allocator in the men's jeans department. My obviously being one of the bigger yeah, retailers, being a bigger re- but you know, yeah. so so I I did I took a I took a salary cut, and I took a title cut, so to speak. But back then, I was just like, I don't care. I just want to get mm. into this organisation, and I don't. And and it was never like I was ever looking at what the next role was going to be. I was just really focused on doing a really great job in the role that I was in. It sounds like they gave you a lot of opportunities though within Maya to 
to sort of branch out and try all these different things as well. Yeah, I think when you appreciate, really truly appreciate the job that you've got, mm. and you're just in a, and you're applying yourself. Um, and and you're there to support others. You know, mm. I, I, I was always saying, okay, is there anything else that I can do? I was always staying back. I was just... Did you have much of a life outside of work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I you was did? in my 20s. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I certainly did. <laughs> but, uh, but I think it was just how you applied yourself, you know, mm. throughout, you know, throughout the day. And, and I think very quickly you got a reputation. Yeah, you know, if somebody needed something done, and you know, you did it to the to the best of your ability, um, and you were genuinely nice. Mm. Oh, it makes such a big difference, <laughs> doesn't it? You know, just being a nice person yeah. and just being that person that other people can rely on. You just go, oh, she's got, she's going to get the job done. Let's just give it to her. And so, I never complained. I never put my hand out for more. I never, I never thought that I was bigger than my role. I just always just put my head down and I honestly believe when you do do that it, it pays off you know mm. so I think that that was that was really yeah it was an incredible time at Maya for me. Did you and, have anyone mentoring you at that stage? You know I look back at Maya and there was some really pivotal supporters that I had mm-hmm. and then there was I went through a very difficult period there as well too. Yeah. Um, here was I a very young woman mm. I was in my very early 20s uh, just recently kind of getting into the business and I was being identified and promoted mm. pretty quickly. Now, that's a little unheard of, let alone you're a female and you're very young. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was examples where my promotion couldn't be announced because of those situations. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, because I was so young yeah. and I'd been there only a very short time and what did that really say about others? And funnily enough, even some of my worst critics were those women around me mm-hmm. that were, um, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, probably going, well, why is she getting Jealous. it? No, I'm not. Yeah. And I've been here for five years and she's been here for five minutes. <laughs> office politics. The office politics. Yeah. And, and, and I learned so much. And that really hurt. You mm. know, I was, you know, I was young, you know, mm. pretty, I'm going to say I was pretty naive. But to go through that at a very young age and to know what that feels like. I, I always promised myself that that would never happen under my watch. It's mm. fantastic. You know, I, I think I learned from some of the best people and from some of the worst as to how I was going to form my elite leadership, mm. what I was going to believe in, what I was going to drive as an, a leader in, in an organization. But it was almost like I was keeping tabs. Yeah, that, that person brought out the best in me. Mm. And I did, I, you know, there was Peter Cheer, you know, he was amazing. There was Joy Montelto, uh, you know, there was, um, there, there was just a gamut of people that were really supportive and they, they, and when you've got somebody that supports you, mm. I mean, really supports you and they're quite obvious about that support, it gives you so much more confidence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and true. you know that they've always got your back. Mm. And that, that was such an early learning for me around, wow, if, they, if I hadn't have had that support, would I have turned out the person that I am today? Because so much of that when you're just starting off in a role, you know, all of that forms who you are and your opinions as you get a bit older. So I, I think it was a very telling time for me there. Do you think they recognise those qualities in you and that's why they gave you that, that support environment? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they always knew that there would be 
you know, that I'd, I'd go further. And yeah. I think that that's why I was young, one of the youngest buyers there, mm. you know. Um, and But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say they did uh, up until a point and then, you know, sometimes culture changes as well, yeah. you know, and that's when you've got to go, okay, maybe it's time for me to, you know, to do something different now. Were you motivated yourself as well? Like, were you, were you motivated to continually progress up uh, the ranks? I, I think my parents, um, I, I think the way I was brought up in life, um, I, I'm going to say I, I was, you know, I, I was indulged as a child. But then I, I said to mum when I turned 12 that I no longer wanted to wear Target, I wanted to wear Jag. And she just looked at me and said, well, great, go and get a job. Uh-huh. And so I think that that work ethic, so I started at 13, you know, in the veterinary clinic and then I worked for McDonald's. And so if I wanted anything in my life and still true to this day, yeah. so at 13 years of age, I had to be self-sufficient. Yes, mum and dad put a house over my head and they did all those very kind But if I wanted to buy something, mm. I had to, I, that, you know, my car. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a holiday, anything, any anything at all, that's what I then had to do. I had to be very self-sufficient, had to pay rent. Mm-hmm. So I think that they taught me great discipline and then I had to be self-sufficient. I knew that they were always there in the background, but they knew, knew that that's what I knew, needed as well too. So, Do you think that's played a role in why you were, I guess, so successful so early as well? Yeah, I think that when you go through my reports, you'll always see that I was um, fairly driven. But I think maybe mum and dad could see that and they knew that I was and, – and they just kind of pushed me that, that next stage, mm-hmm. um, Carl. But, yeah, I, I, I would say uh, – and, and my father, the, the, he had his own business and so he would always say to me, you know, be loyal – he was always about loyalty. You know, the Rolling Stone gathers no moss. That's what, you know, mm. what he And so if you look at my resume, you'll see that I've been at places for a long time. Mm. And that's not, that's not necessarily about loyalty, but it was about the fact that I really enjoyed the environment and I just wanted to always apply myself in that environment to the point where then the environment maybe didn't serve me. But I do believe that my parents are absolutely fundamental in my outlook and my drive um, we never talk about my work. We never talk about success. When I come home, I'm just me. You know, like it's it's it, it's not has what has defined me, but it certainly helped me along the way. There's a lot way. of humility there, isn't there? Yeah. 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 It's so amazing. Obviously, as you progressed in your career, you started to work into, I guess, some higher pressure roles. Mm. I'm quite interested to hear about how you dealt with those. Obviously, when you first started to, to kind of step up that, that I guess the ladder um, what were some of your biggest lessons kind of taking those roles um, and how did you deal with some of those pressures that, that came with them I think the biggest and the, the biggest transition is from being is kind of from doing to being so you know when I look at Mara I was very much around doing the role mm-hmm. um, and even in sports girl it was the same and then all of a sudden you're becoming a leader so you're kind of moving from managing one person to two to three to four. Then all of a sudden you're managing an organisation. And I think the greatest transition for me was in managing an organisation, mm. leading and no longer doing. You know, so 
you know, my days were if I had completed everything and you know I, I, I'd signed off things that that was my day. But now all of a sudden I'm having to manage very complex people and and situations and setting a tone and culture and level of expectation. And I think that was probably the biggest transition for me from kind of managing, yeah, and doing to really leading um, a business, leading a strategy, leading a vision, leading a culture, leading a way of being and believing um, and really holding true to that. I think that that has been the the most difficult transition. And so – um, and, and there comes a whole host of stresses, you know, and issues that arise every single day that will test you and will test your boundaries and will test your belief system. And so that's where I've had to have the, the greatest support around me as I've been leading these big organisations and, and lots of teams and lots of people. Um, so, to, so to that, that's where I really started my journey on, on reading and podcasts and, and also making sure that I've got a really strong leadership coach around me, which is why I saw you at Creative Cube, yeah. uh, you know, with my leadership coach. But, but for, because I, you know, to lead others, I must lead self and I must be so disciplined in self-leadership. I need to understand myself to lead others. So that's something you're continually working on? Always. Always. I, I am a work in progress mm-hmm. um, because as I – as I, um, I, I think, well, my opinion, um, you know, I, you, you get triggered by things, mm. by situations, conversations. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in your head sometimes, you mm. know, lots of voices and noise that goes on in your head. What do you do with that? Mm. Uh, and so, how do you decipher that noise? Uh, and so, it's really important for me to be able to sit down with someone in a really, you know, safe environment mm-hmm. to go, I, I'm, I'm really feeling this, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm giving this or I'm doing this and I'm just not getting it back or I'm just not making any progress here with this situation. Maybe we need to reframe the situation mm-hmm. and maybe I need to reframe myself and my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's the challenges that I'm, I'm probably facing with my leadership coach, mm-hmm. um, just how I'm – and so I think with – and, then, and then you hit, a, then you hit a, a new realm of being, yep, mm-hmm. and then you find this new space where you go, wow, this is a really nice space to be in leadership and then something else comes your way and you're like, okay, here's another set of really difficult, difficult circumstances – how am I going to navigate that space? Can I just have a bit of a safe place to talk about this and then let's take it to the next level? Yeah, wow. um, so so that, that, that's probably... I suppose that's something you've been focusing on a lot over the last 12 months then as well. I would probably say I've been doing more work on myself now for the past probably eight years. Okay. Yeah, probably a good eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that something you recognised within yourself that you may have been lacking? Or uh, was it maybe someone else sort of gave you the advice to potentially yeah. uh, seek some improvement in that regard? Or um, when I was with the Cotton On Group, yeah, they're very much, um, you know, Nigel and you know, and the team are very much around, you know, personal leadership. Yeah, and so you know, that's what I really enjoyed working for that organisation, mm. um, and, and they really live by that, and and that's when I first experienced a leadership coach, mm. and. It was really deep work mm. when you first start. You know, she was just she was just mentioning a few things, and it was almost like somebody was just turning the light on in my head, 
where I was just like, wow, what, what, what is this person talking about? And why is it resonating so deeply with me? Mm. And what does this actually mean about me? I mean, you know, what, what, why, is that, why is that affecting me so much? And so it was that moment that I went, I really need to understand myself more. Because I know that if I can really understand myself more, then I know I can untap potential in myself. And so that's why it was at that moment, and it was Karen again, I remember so vividly, she said a couple of things one day and I was like, wow, foof. And I, I went to her straight away and I said, you just said that and that really resonated with me and I need to understand why, mm-hmm. what's going on with me. And I think before then I could have been a bit asleep. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so or easy I, to do. Yeah. yeah, or I just wasn't open, or I just, I, or maybe I, I didn't have the right inputs around me. But when she, you know, when I met her, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm on this journey now. So, and I still am, you know, and and so is my leadership team now. So, can you elaborate on uh, some of the exercises, perhaps, that you have to constantly be working on in order to improve those skills? Oh, you know, uh, a, a simple one is leaning in. Um, So a simple one might be everybody, you know, so so you work with a very senior team um, and you you give. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you give your time, you give your opinion, you give your thoughts, you you give, you give a lot. And sometimes you don't get back. Yeah, it's very selfless, isn't it? Yeah, and you're like, hang on a minute, I feel like I'm giving a lot here and how come I'm not getting any back? (laughs) Yeah. So, do you actually respect me? Do you not respect me? Do you yeah. like me? Do you not like me? How come I feel like I'm really leaning over to you and helping you and being there for you and you're not giving me anything? Mm-hmm. And so, what story does that create? Well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe they, they think they're better than what I am. Yep. Maybe I, 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 what I've got to say isn't meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so, all of a sudden, you start creating stories in your head. And so... I, I, that was something I had to unpack one day, you know, actually for a while. I, I really wanted to understand why I needed to do that. And so, you know, after a period of time, what I realised is that I just need to sit in my space and I need mm. to fill my space, mm-hmm. yeah, and not let others impact my space, mm. yeah. And so when I'm sitting in my space, I'm powerful. When I'm leaning in too much... Yeah, I, I'm giving away. And when I'm talking about power, I'm actually not talking about it. In a, I'm actually talking about my belief. I'm talking about who mm-hmm. I am, yeah, and not worrying about the stories that are being created in my mind, but actually sitting in true to who I am, yeah. Wow, that's so powerful. And, and you might not be leaning into me, and I'm, I'm actually okay with that because mm-hmm. you've got your stuff going on, mm-hmm. and I'm not listening to that stuff, and I'm not going to participate in it, and I am not going to make that something that impacts me because yeah, it I'm, can be an energy drainer can't oh it? my gosh it's <laughs> it's an energy drainer you think too much about it it puts you into a negative thought pattern mm. um and you start worrying about yourself and in actual fact it's got nothing to do with you mm. yet but how do you sit in your space how do you how do you deal with that from a performance standpoint then so you know that's obviously about the relationship or or, or maybe it has some connection to performance but you know if somebody's not leaning in and kind of giving that energy back and you, we're kind of talking about, how, you know, just filling my cup, making sure that, you know, I'm filling my space and, and having that belief, um, 
you know, from a leadership perspective, how do we how do we manage that with the performance of the individual, or you know, mm. some of those tougher conversations when performance might not be as high? Um, I, I'm really interested in, I guess, leadership, right? And mm. and what are the characteristics of a leader? How do they deal with certain situations? What do they really aspire to be? Um, you know, and what kind of legacy are they trying to leave behind? Mm. So. I know for me as a business owner, and and I'm sure you experience this as well, is that dichotomy of um, trying to be the best you possibly can for someone, but also knowing how to have those tougher conversations, I guess, around performance or how do you manage those situations? I think there's parts of that, Carl. So, for example, you know, when when you don't have those team members, when you don't have those team members as part of your leadership team, and you might be sitting on a team with those types of team members. All you can do is sit in your space and be true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And don't change. Yeah, don't try and read the play for somebody else to then try and change your play. Just stay with where you are. So you're at a very senior leadership table where they're not reporting into you. You've got to really just sit there and own it and be true to who you are mm-hmm. and believe in yourself. Yeah. Yep. If they're reporting into you, I think then that's a very different scenario. So if they're actually reporting into you, um, it's very for us. It's about our values as a as a business, mm-hmm. and it's also about the mantras of what we believe in as an organisation as well too. And if I'm finding that they're not giving, um, then it's a pretty easy conversation because it's a really authentic one around. Hey, what's going on for you? Are you okay? Yeah. You know what's going on? I've I've noticed this. Are, do you know this? Do you know that this is how you're showing up? Have you got any idea about that? Do you know? And, and most, of, most of the time, somebody will say, I've got no idea. Okay, well, maybe just have a bit of a think about how that's showing up for others. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I want you to think about whether that's something you'd want to change. Do you want to change that within yourself? Because no use me telling you what to do unless you do truly want to change. And so nine times out of ten, the person will come back and go, you know what, I really do. This is something that I do want to change. Um, And so, you know, and then we go, okay, fine. So we're going to work together on this and this is what it's going to look like and we're going to talk about it and we're going to continue to go on this journey together. I think that when you then try and have that conversation and clearly there's – know that there's a lack of response to that I start to get very worried about that person Mm -hmm. because what's then happening because to me then they're not living the values of the organization of the mantras so then what's happening with that individual in the impact that they're having on the team so I would then say maybe we've got a wrong hire here culturally Mm. and then how are we going to work with you to address those issues because now they're going to get pretty serious yeah because they'll show up Mm. So uh, I would say that, you know, yeah, having the values, what you believe in as a leader, seeing it shown up. And, and I can tell you right now, you know, like, you know, the culture of an organization is so important to protect and it can take one or two people to ruin it. And they're the ones that we have to be mindful of and really address those performance issues um, and that's that's obviously why it's so important as a leader to be able to have that belief and be able to be strong in those moments. Uh, absolutely. But they're your testing moments because all the rest is just words on a wall. Yeah. yeah? And that's why I think culture goes unchecked because mm. it's, it's hard. Mm. It's really hard to keep it in check, 
because there are just moments where you really do need to pull people up and you really need to have tough conversations with them, really tough conversations. Mm. And these are conversations that have been unkept for, you know, probably 10 years, 15 years. But you've got to you've got to have the conversation and they're deep conversations because something has happened to that person that's made them that way. Mm. What were your initial expectations when you came into Country Road? What was was there any culture changes that you had to make? And yes, there was. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's, it's an incredible brand of fifty mm. years, um, and. Uh, and I knew coming into the brand that, you know, because I've been around for some, for some time, that there were people already in the organisation that knew me. Yet, so some teams would have known me because, you know, they would have worked for me in the past, whereas mm -hmm. my leadership team didn't really know me because they wouldn't have worked with me previously. Yep. And so I was very conscious of that, that probably there are, there are teams talking about me, but the leadership team have no idea who I am. Mm. So I, I made sure that I caught up with the leadership team before I started. That's good. And, uh, you know, and, and had a coffee and just, and, and, and I just asked them three questions, you know. Um, one of them was talk to me about the culture. Mm -hmm. Tell me what the culture is. Uh, what do you want to retain with the culture of the business and what do you want to change? And what do you want it to be? Mm-hmm. And so, it, 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 and so th there were some issues there that we needed to address. Um, and, you know, we had about a 30% turnover in that first year yeah. in the office. And that's okay. But I think that I was pretty fair with the way I approached it, you know, in hindsight. Um, just made sure that I got everybody together and just, you know, said that there's a bus and it's going and it's your decision to be on it or not mm -hmm. but this is the bus this is where it's going this is what it's going to do and I'd love you all to be on it but it's up to you whether you want to be on it or not what do you think are some of the pillars of having a strong culture within your organization mm, some of the pillars I think first of all what you've got to have is a very uh, is the senior leadership team. It's almost like there should be no values written on a wall mm -hmm. or mantras because the behaviours of the senior leadership team mm -hmm. are so obvious that they that is the values of the organisation. Mm. So I think the one of the key pillars is are the leaders of the organisation truly truly leading hmm. with heart are they truly leading a visionary you know driven business are they truly empathetic are they truly supporting their teams are they engaging with their teams are they are they really there for the team's performance mm -hmm. yep so i think that the leadership team themselves um, are held to high account mm -hmm. and i think that's where it starts i think underneath that is the way the conversations that we're having, the care that we show, the the opportunities that are provided for the teams, um, and allowing the space for them to be great. Mm. Because that then reflects on the customer too. It's got to start with your own staff, in my opinion, because then that will uh, trickle down to the customer. I also think it's one of the hardest things to do as a leader, right? I oh. think allowing giving someone the opportunity without 
I mean, trying to fix it or, or, or mm. kind of going too far, you know, and because and everybody has confidence in their own ability once they've mm. experienced some type of progress. Um, and you want that, sometimes you want that so much for someone else, um, but they, like you, you mentioned before, they have to want that for themselves and they want to they kind of want to have to fill their own cup and, and, and uh, want to make that progress. But then also as a leader, being able to allow them those opportunities um, and to grow yeah. and to learn from... But you've got to recognize where they probably are lacking in skill and so that you highlight that and then teach them those necessary skills as well. Well, that, we should be on the go- yeah on the job coaching all the time. Yeah. So we have a mantra, and that is, you know, that we leave the logo in a better place. That's our mantra. Mm. And so when you think about leaving the logo in a better place, it's a fifty-year-old brand. It has to be around for another hundred and fifty years. Mm. The only way you're going to do that is through having the best people in your business. Mm-hmm. The only way we're going to do that is through succession planning. Mm-hmm. So the team members in our business should know what their next role is in the organisation. Mm. And if we have to recruit from outside the organisation, particularly in our retail business through, you know, when there's a store manager vacancy, area manager, state manager, then if we have to go outside, then we're failed Mm -hmm. because that should be a succession planning model that we always have in our business. So I think that when you talk about the pillars, I think really as a, as a team member, when, when people are really clear that this organisation, I'm really clear on its direction, I, I, you know, the leaders of this organisation truly live the values and are inspirational, yeah, and I want to be like them one day. Mm. Um, and I feel appreciated, respected, and I'm rewarded and recognised in the way that I actually do my job. Mm. And I think that that's the role that we do. It's a big job. <laughs> it's it's a norm, but but yeah, you know, and and that we care. You know, when, when there have been really tough times, like they're having COVID. Mm. Uh, you know, we decided that we wanted to take the approach. We, we wanted to lead with heart. We 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 got together as a leadership team. We said we don't know what this is going to look like. It's going to get very difficult to navigate. How do we lead with heart? How do we need to lead very differently in these really uncertain times? Mm. So many, um, so many questions, obviously, in the retail space at the moment uh, with the adoption of e-commerce and everything like that. Where do you see our country road heading in the future and what are you putting in place now in order to steer it, the ship? Yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate that we ha- do have a very solid online business. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that helps by having a solid brand as well. Yeah, well, and, and also the right level of investment, you yeah. know, over the years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's already pretty solid. I think for us, what we really want to make sure is, you know, we're doing a big piece of work at the moment around the customer and, mm-hmm. and what are those journeys that are really important for the customer? Mm-hmm. How do I shop? How do I use my mobile? Versus going in store, click and collect, any personalization, gift giving. So we always, you know, the, yeah, the piece of work right now is really putting the customer at the core of those decisions. Mm. How do they journey through our business? Uh, and then what does that mean for us as an organization that we need to address, fix, invest in? Mm. Uh, but online is very important. But 80% of our customers want a shopping store. Yeah. So we know that the store environment is absolutely critical to the success of our business. Mm. We actually have opened uh, and invested in uh, about 12 stores during the COVID period. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, every intention on growing our store portfolio uh, and therefore investing in retail as we do with online. Mm. We've sort of... um You've adopted kind of what Apple has done where you've made the store really nice and clean and crisp and just a nice environment uh, to be in. 
and then also you always have friendly staff. Uh, I want to ask you a hard question in regards to Maya. You've <laughs> okay. obviously come a long way since those days. What what do you think they're lacking uh, or what do you think that they need to improve on? Because obviously the last 10 years or so has been a very, very difficult time for them. I think that they've changed their model, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's a good thing. I think that Maya have, you know, looked at where they can win in the marketplace uh, and you can see that they're going after that millennial customer. Mm. And that's a pretty brave, big move, you know, yeah. for Maya to do that, which has been very much a very traditional department store. Yeah. It's been very much around the mums and the dads and the, you know, the rinse, you know, the, the blue rinse set going into Maya. Mm. Um, and so they've really changed their product mix. And, and so they, they've found their niche. Mm. Uh, and they get, and that's going to take them some time to yeah. develop that and, um, you know, and invest in that as well too. But mm. they've got a very strong online business. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that's, their, that's their strategy that they've decided to run with. And I think they're executing it better today than, than what they've done, you know, historically. So I think that they've, you know, I think that that's, you know, if that's what's right for them, I think that they're doing a really, you know, good job. In, It'd in be a regard. tough executive team to be in, I think, that one. Oh, do you want to know something? I think it's it, it's tough for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Because you you know you know you have to innovate, and then there's capital investment that's required mm. to innovate, um, and you're just on this constant journey, and then you're having to navigate COVID and closures and mm. lockdowns and teams, retail teams that have had to be stood down. It's really hard, you know. And and for some of us, and and Maya included, they've got you know a portfolio that's old that's yeah. really aged old stores that's mm. never been invested in so you know it's a culmination of years i mean you know 20 probably years of decisions which is today's you know is what was well, that succession today. planning as well i suppose that could be somewhere where they lacked uh, because they didn't have those transitions in place and then they just sort of missed out on the investment uh, as you said in the stores and then also on the the online uh, initially yeah uh, and then it's it's obviously been hard to compete with um, those players that got into the market really early. Well, specialty retailing, when you look at a traditional department store, which is what, you know, I was in, you know, 30 years ago, yeah. uh, you know, you didn't have specialty retailing. Mm. And the last part of specialty retailing, you know, sorry, the last part of the business from department stores, which they owned and won in, which was beauty, Mm-hmm. As is now in specialty, you know, yeah. with the likes of Mecca, yep. which is likes of Sephora, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm. you know, are these big chunks of very traditional, uh, you know, um, areas of, of, of retail they're for these they're, departments. They're they're, yeah, aren't the they? core business yeah. of, of, of these department stores, which maybe they didn't innovate or they didn't move forward or something like that. You think about it, every part, menswear, children's wear, all of that's been specialised. You know, mm. every, every, you know, there's lots of menswear, you know, yeah. um, stores. There's lots of women's wear. There's, now, there's luggage. There's kids' wear. You know, there's pharmacy. There's everything. And, and of course, you know, so... You know, beauty was the last to go of that. Um, so it, 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 I think it's tough, you mm. know. I'm going to shift gears a little bit now. Um, I'm actually more interested now outside of work, right? So, mm. so um, what kind of legacy do you want to leave on the world? Um, and what are you most passionate about outside of work? <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, it's, it's funny you, um, you know, Carl, I, I, um, I, I don't see myself outside of work. Um, I, uh, um, I I see myself as a whole person, 
Yeah. And this whole person goes to work and this whole person is a mother, mm. you know, a wife, um, a friend, a daughter, a sister. Um, and so I think more importantly, it's who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always hope to be a very loyal, committed, you know, honest, caring person. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that be in business or in my personal life, I think just being very true and core to who you are and what you believe in. And then it doesn't matter, you know, whether yeah, that be outside, change, yeah. it doesn't actually change. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm uncomplex like that. I think, you know, that I, I, I just always want to be that really good person that you would always know where you stood with me. And if you ever had a problem, you know that you could rely on me. And mm-hmm. and that would be in business. If you worked for me, you would know that I've always got you. You know that you could always come and speak to me. Yeah, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's probably more important to me than anything else. Um, and then who I am as a mother, you know, to two lovely daughters um, is important to me. Is there anything, I guess, at the moment, on a, on a global scale, like, you know, that you're, you really believe in, that yeah. you're, you're really trying to, to incorporate into what you do, your day-to-day and, and these kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, you know, I think, I think first of all, uh, the, the journey and the drive that we have as a business around, you know, really sustainable fashion, re- really thinking through where we're getting our fibres from, who are we partnering with from a fibre perspective? What does that look like through the supply chain? So I can absolutely guarantee that I know where those fibres are coming from, from the moment that it is spun, dyed, put into garments, and then I'm selling it to you. I absolutely know the transparency of that. And I absolutely know that nobody's been injured, everybody's been cared for in that supply chain, and everybody's been given the, the fair way, you know, the, the right wage. Yep. Um, and that we're looking after the community. So really to make sure that we're not hurting anyone in the process, that, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a kind process, right to the point of then what are we doing with those garments at end of life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as soon as you're finished with that, what are we doing? So very, very passionate with that, you know, and you'll see that in the biodiversity project that we've just launched yeah. uh, with our Heritage Sweat. So really pushing that more so I think the other part for me and and, and being transparent with that being really upfront and honest to say we know where this comes from and but we don't know where this comes from but we're really trying to find out Mm -hmm. where this part is and we're going to make sure that we do get there um, and we're going to throw everything we possibly can at it so I think being really inquisitive and driven in sustainability um, and transparency is critical. I think where we stand on diversity, inclusion, mm-hmm. ethical behaviour is critical. What are the issues that our teams go through today? Um, you know, what? how can we behave differently as an organisation? What would our teams like us to see? Or, or to, what, sorry, what would our teams like us to do or be? What issues would they like us to address? Mm-hmm. Where are we excluding? Do we have fair wage across, you know, across the different sexes? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that's really important for us too. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely say sustainability, transparency, ethics, diversity, inclusion, um, and just showing up well. You know, just knowing that when you go to bed each night that you are doing the right thing, um, 
represent the values. That we're absolutely representing yeah. the values. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay if there's some ugly stuff, but let's actually just know it and let's really work on it to make sure that we are yeah, throwing everything we possibly can at it yeah. and we're having the conversation and yeah, we're, 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 we're just doing the right thing. That's definitely something it's, it's, I mean, we've had a few conversations around this now, but I mean, the, the equality and the equal opportunity, um, it's something that's came up a few times now. So it's actually why we're doing this, you know, um, we're dedicating a whole month to women. We, we didn't have too many women on the podcast initially um, and not, not just because we weren't aware. So as soon as we could become aware and create awareness around it, um, you know, we want to be a part of the solution as well. And I think that's the mindset, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing to hear that and that it's uh, especially, you know, as a leader of, of such a large company as well. I mean, we're, we're undertaking a reconciliation plan, of course, um, and that, that's been a really interesting process for us as well too. Um, and that's where we've been using, you know, Yatu, um, Wilder's Hunt, actually helping us, uh, you know, develop our reconciliation plan and and really trying to understand, you know, our First Nations perspective mm. um, on, on, you know, on our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it, it, in leadership and in business today, you have far much more accountability and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that is so exciting. Mm. to think that it's actually about business making change. You know, we always wait for government, but it's actually about us. We're, we're actually the movement. We're the ones that are the change makers. We're the ones mm. that can so run and we can be agile and nimble and we can make change. And I think that that's what our responsibility should be. Yeah. It's important to just continually ask those questions. It sounds like you are asking those questions all the time and so mm-hmm. they're always at the forefront of your mind. Uh, and it just makes it so much easier to be making those shifts. And, and I think that when you create an environment where it's okay if yeah, we're not nice there, you know, it's yeah. okay that we're not there and it's okay if we, okay, we made a mistake here, but actually let's just move on from that mm. and actually let's really just have the right intent here and what do we need to do or change. Yeah. And I think that creating that conversation and that openness is really important to have where people don't feel like they need to hide things or you know, just, just talk about it, you know. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's what we're trying to we're trying to create. Amazing. So to finish off the podcast, we've actually got a, a bit of a segment that we've just brought in. We don't have a name for it yet, okay. but it's it's quite quite similar to Quickfire. So we're going to put some questions up on the TV. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and okay. it's, it's, it's basically, um, you know, we say a minute, but, you know, take as long as, as you want really. Um, and... You know, you can you can answer those questions um, as best you can. Mm, okay. All right. One piece of advice for women watching this podcast. Um, I think. I think. Be kind to one another. Um, when I think of the women that I've worked with. I've worked with women who have not wanted you to succeed and I've worked with women who have just wanted to make you bloom and grow and be one of those. Mm. Be one of those women that brings out the best in other women because they're very, sometimes they're a little bit rare but when they come your way, gee, they make such an impact on your life. I mean, women that genuinely want the best for you. I've found that my mentor is a is a woman, and I've I get that from her as well. 
she <laughs> just generally wants the best for me at all times. Mm. Uh, and that reflects on who I am every day. And I honestly, I couldn't thank her enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really powerful when you, when you have someone like that. That real genuineness. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's but, really, and it teaches you that. It passes it yeah, on. Exactly. You pass it on. That's what I get from Toby. <laughs> honestly, like, yeah. I, I, you know, not only do I gain confidence from him, but damn, do I learn like mm. in those moments. And I'm just like, wow, he creates so much awareness without actually talking to you about you. You know, you actually learn from his actions and the way he treats you. Mm. And yeah, I, it's it's so powerful. Mm. What has the most influence in a business success and why? I'm definitely going to say culture because I think when you have an incredible culture in an organisation, it attracts great people. Yeah. And I've seen great people leave great organisations because of the culture. Mm-hmm. So I think to be obsessive about the culture in an organisation is absolutely not just the number one. Because when you have the right culture, then that allows a growth mindset. It allows really open conversations. It brings in great ideas. It brings in diverse thoughts. There's a way of operating and a framework to a business. And when that goes unchecked, people get... No, that pe- people just go, well, you know, I may as well not stay here. I'm not listening to, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be a good brand or good business, but it, this just isn't for me. So I think absolute culture. I feel like that's really hard the bigger the organization. I used yeah. to work for ANZ and the culture was just shocking, mm. you know, and I find, I just think it'd be so hard the bigger your business gets to sort of hold on to those values. I don't. And you don't think so? No, I don't. Because I honestly believe that when you have the right group CEO, yeah. then he has the right CEOs yeah. and then the right CEOs have the right senior leaders mm-hmm. and yeah. then those senior leaders are putting the right people in the seats. Mm-hmm. It often gets, it, you know, that that's when it works and yeah. when it doesn't. Yeah. And so I think that it's absolutely difficult to achieve. I understand mm. that. But it's all in the, the the types of people you ex- – it's, it's holding people to account yeah. again. Yeah. It's having that difficult conversation when you're mm. seeing those behaviours and holding people to account is difficult. Mm. Well, it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's hard to do it in, say, a bank because they're driven by shareholders and their, their profits and all that sort of thing and that becomes their core mantra. And I suppose once, you, once you've developed that culture, it, I suppose it's – It'd be hard for a new person to come in and then sort of allow that to filter through the whole organization. I, you said it before. It would be your leadership team, 110%. You've got to have those those people that are will, like, you know, you've talked about it a lot today and it's like that are just, everybody's leaning into each other and they're, they're kind of giving that energy and, and they're willing to, to have those harder conversations. They're willing mm. to, um, uh, you know, uh, proclaim the, the those values and make sure that they're, they're they're being upheld and and these kind of things. Whereas, and you also said this before, is it only takes you know one individual who might not be um, holding those values and and kind of living by those values, and that can just filter down into a certain sector of the business. And it only takes one sector of a business to tear it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I've been in businesses where. You know, the, the, the culture has been strong and even the young design designers have gone, hang on a minute, why is that one? 
why is that person behaving like that and why can that person get away with it and we can't and so all of a sudden it really you know you can see when the culture of those values and behaviors aren't being adhered to Uh, and it's interesting how the call out is sometimes that you know at those younger levels of the business Um, but it is it, it, it very much is when you've got that right leadership team, and, and of course you allow for differences in personalities. This isn't about a personality conversation because everyone is so different in the way that they are, but it's, it's just more about how they behave and how they, and, and, and their actions, yeah, in the, in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, a great leader. Um, I think a great leader, I think three words to describe a great leader. I think that a great leader has to be visionary first and foremost. You've got to believe in the vision of the organisation. I think that a great leader needs to have the ability to listen, really listen to the organisation and to allow a person to speak. And I think a great leader, when they allow that person to speak, I'm going to say a great leader. There are so many words I could use, so I'm just very mindful of the only three words. But they're very, uh, I'm I'm going to say, but it's particularly at my, I'm going to say probably at my level, is that they they are very much there as a a great support and empowerment. Mm -hmm. So I just know that if there's a really strong vision, articulation of that, and that you feel incredible support around you and empowerment, and you've got somebody that's willing to listen and be open, yeah, um, and to be inquisitive. Now I'm using more than you know three <laughs> that's words, fine, that's fine. but you know, but to really be inquisitive and not to be closed and not to—it's their way or the highway. But you know, really, that person who's very personable that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's their great leadership qualities. Well, they keep you accountable, don't they? And even those the questions that you were asking before about uh, like. Uh, all the different uh, issues that you have within the organisation. I think that is such a powerful tool to have. Continually asking questions of how we can improve, how we can uh, facilitate our employees and how we can uh, do better for our customers as well. Yeah, I I think that, you know, great leaders have great whys. Yeah. You know, as in the why. Yeah. They are very good at that. Mm. You know, they're very purpose-driven. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. the future of fashion oh, I think that we've got an incredible industry uh, I'm glad that we're not overseas I'm glad that we're in this country mm. and I think that uh, it, I, I, th- I think it's going to be interesting from, from a design student perspective with what's going on with universities uh, how the, the universities have had to uh, pivot yeah. where it's more around online learning mm-hmm. so I think it's just going to be interesting to watch the new you know, up-and-coming designers with what happens 
um, yeah, I suppose with a very different learning environment because it's been very much and historically, it's been very much around uh, face-to-face, coming into business, working with business, um, whereas today they're working in a very different way. So I think that that's just going to be an interesting one to watch. Mm. But I think that we've got a great industry and, and I think that um, I think uh, if anything, um, we've, we're, we're going to be held to account. And so I think with the, what's in store for the future of fashion, we're going to be held to account. We're going to have to really consider circularity. Uh, with the way that we're reusing materials. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be great innovation coming through with reusing of materials and cutting materials down and how we can recreate garments with uh, with different types of materials and, and repurposing. So I think it's going to be more technology-based mm-hmm. um, and even industrial design-based when we're looking at homewares. Um, but I think that there's going to be a lot more responsible and accountable mm-hmm. and still inspirational, but our inspiration is going to come with a lot more consideration. Fantastic. Last question. <laughs> oh, don't worry so much around what everyone else thinks. Just don't worry what everybody else thinks because guess what? Those everyone else's are just not going to be there at the end of your journey or throughout your journey. They're going to be lucky to be there for two years of your journey and not forever. So just don't worry what everybody else thinks. Just keep on your track. Run your own race. Run your own race. Run your own race. Believe in yourself and just have the right people around you giving that advice. Mm. But yeah, just run your own race. Love what you do. Love what you do. Amazing. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. I want to say a massive thank you to you. Um, yeah, thank you, Al. That was such a great conversation. Uh, I learned a lot. I know that you sure did too. Um, yeah. We know that obviously you're very busy as well, so we just really appreciate your time. Um, and I'm sure the listeners are going to have a wonderful time listening to this as well. So Thank you very much. Al, yeah, thank boys. you. Thanks for thank coming on again. Thank you for the questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's many. There was a few at the end, wasn't there? Um, for everyone listening, we really hope you enjoyed the episode um, and you know, just remember to hit the subscribe button as well. So it's your support that allows us to continue to have these great conversations with amazing people um, and we will see you next week.